Before we begin our discussion, we would like to mention that this episode is sponsored by Audible.com. If anybody doesn't know, I'm sure most people do, Audible is a application or a website that you can use on your phone or computer that you can get access to audiobooks. Every month they will give you one free new book to try and listen to. Audible doesn't only do audiobooks, they also have comedy, self-help, fitness programs, wellness programs. And I know that you just read something recently for the podcast. Yeah, recently I actually just read Joe Hill's Horns and it became kind of difficult to read the book all the time. The audiobook just made it's so much easier to be able to listen to that in the car. Great book, by the way, if anybody wants to check it out. It's amazing. Audible.com has thousands and thousands of titles. Mm -hmm. It would take you, I think, like 300 years to go through their entire library or something crazy like that. And like I said, they have way more than just audiobooks. They also do podcasts. So obviously we're huge fans of that. And to get your free trial, it is 30 days through our link. It is audibletrial.com slash the extra sisters. And that is T-H-E-E-X-O-R-C-I-S-T-E-R-S. And we just want to give a huge thank you to audible.com for the sponsorship. Mm My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 79. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing the 2014 cult following film. It's not about cults, but I feel like (laughs) people just really fucking Mm -hmm. love this movie. The Babadook. Mm -hmm. Duck, duck, duck. (laughs) We have opinions about this film. Yeah. But I we had to do this movie because it was like the most talked about film from around this time between 2014 and 2015. And I saw it right around then. It kind of went on Netflix right around this time. And I saw it when it went on Netflix. So I probably saw it around 2015. I saw it at home with one of my friends and my cousin, actually. And it's definitely an interesting kind of artsier Australian film and I have so many conflicting opinions on this film Mm -hmm. because in some of the movie I'm like oh my god this is so good but then there were some decisions and I was like what the fuck why did you do that you took me out of it and so we're gonna go through this and talk about the good and the bad and what we liked and didn't like and then at the end kind of talk about our overall final opinion as we usually do but I think our final opinions will be interesting because we haven't we kind of have talked about our opinions of this movie before we've done the podcast yeah, in the past before we rewatched it or anything this is only the second time I personally have seen this Same. film okay and so like I said we've talked about this before we rewatched it and kind of talked about our opinion but we just kind of we didn't go into depth about what we thought about this film. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I saw that, and whatever. Yeah, did you like it? I mean... And then we moved on. It was like, eh, it was... It was I, there were, I, and then I watched it this time, and, well, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So, we have a mother and son. Really quick. Yeah. In Hebrew, Babadek means he's coming for sure. So just oh. the name, if there's, you know Hebrew, you know he's coming. There's you know no way you're getting rid of it. Yeah. Which is 
as he does. Yeah, he's fucking coming for you. He's fucking yeah. I think this is a woman director. It is as well. I wanted to throw that out there, and I do think this film was pretty well done for the most part, which is why it's a little frustrating with what wasn't done very well. Mm -hmm. And this film, in my opinion, is not bad. We'll get there (laughs) because I feel like it's going to be one of those end conversations that if it's said too early kind of spoils the buildup conversation because some of the films we talk about, we'll just say right in the beginning, like, oh, I love this or I didn't like it. But this film, I think this one's going to be more of an actual discussion. Yeah. So let's just go through what happened in the film. Okay. And then we'll talk about it. There's a mom and a son that have been traumatized in this film by the death of his father. Mm-hmm. Now, the death of his father, he never knew his father because his father died the night that he was born. Literally trying to get to the hospital. Yeah. Died in a car crash. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. I mean, he's lucky that he's alive it, and she's alive. This poor fucking family, man. Yeah. And I really enjoy, and it makes me sad, introspectively, movies that take a horror perspective on grief. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, I like films that, like, Ari Aster does, like, Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. So this really does look at that, but it's more in your face than Hereditary is because the family, like, her sister Mm -hmm. is really in her face about it. Well, Hereditary, it's more the grief happens right away and you see what's happening right away, whereas this has been years. Seven. And we're just now seeing this family and what has happened in those seven years. Yeah. And the kid is scared of monsters. He has a complex about monsters, even mm-hmm. before the Babadook is introduced as the monster of the film. But he's scared of monsters in a very proactive way. Oh, yeah. This kid's awesome. He's, man. yeah, he's like not, he hides, but I mean, one of the first things we get from him is I'll smash its head in. He's a kid with a plan and he has weapons. But he's really difficult to handle. I made a note that he's really annoying, but, like, he's just difficult he's to just handle. He's just kid-annoying. He wants his mom to be happy. He wants them all to be okay because he's... He didn't know his dad, so he doesn't have that same level of grief that she does of being alone. Kids are incredibly... It's kind of like... And I don't mean to compare dogs to children, <laughs> but it's all that I know as, like, a parent. Like, mm-hmm. I have dogs. They pick up on, like, if Brad and I raise our voices, they will go cower, even if we're not angry at them. And kids are the same way. If you're depressed, I'm sure a kid's going to pick up on that, whether you're trying. If you're like, oh, I'm fine. They know that that's fucking fake. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure this kid understands that his mom is just perpetually sad all the time. And that's going to reflect i'm sure with some behavioral problems Mm -hmm. and it's almost like this kid he does have a lot of behavioral problems Mm -hmm. because you can tell she's had issues with the school before and with him because Mm -hmm. it's talked about and she doesn't have any friends Mm -hmm. he doesn't have any friends Mm -hmm. they are completely isolated and the way this movie is filmed is even almost in a grayscale. yes definitely their whole house yeah Mm -hmm. And so, Which what do you think gray of, is depressing? Exactly, grays and blues are depressed. Yeah. Even, constantly, what she wears—it's mm-hmm. constantly shades of gray. Exactly. Like Even when you look at the movie, like Pixar's Inside Out, depression, sadness mm-hmm. is blue. Mm-hmm. So blues and grays, 
that's not subtle. I mean, it is subtle, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that you you don't get any color in this right. world at all, which is incredibly sad. Until the end. Right. And then we introduce this random spooky book. Now, this mom, we know she doesn't do everything perfect. In fact, she barely does things well. Mm-hmm. But she seems to try. She does care. Mm -hmm. And this goes well beyond, like, post... She didn't just have postpartum depression after he was born. She's lucky that... We've talked about rad kids before. Oh, dude, yeah. She's very lucky that he doesn't want to murder her. Yeah. Because that could have very well been another problem. This horror movie could have been completely different. Yeah. We've seen that before. Well, I'm sure, especially in the beginning, she probably just latched on him as the only thing left of her husband. So. Right. But when you have a random spooky book just appear, that doesn't raise any questions. Where did this come from? And I would assume maybe she thought it came from school. Mm-hmm. You know? Once it starts creeping her out, she starts to, like, go to the cops and stuff. But yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it obviously, obviously looks creepy. And she just starts automatically reading it. And I wouldn't be reading it to a kid with a monster complex, even if he got mad. Because she immediately just starts reading it without vetting it first. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't buy it. You don't recognize it. And you have no idea where it came from. And you should probably look at it before you just start reading it because yeah. once it gets into it it's obviously incredibly terrifying yeah dude to a he kid ends with up a monster screaming. complex yeah God. to a kid with a monster complex and then she kind of deserves this the only joy you may get in your whole day is you trying to fucking masturbate <laughs> yeah Poor and woman. you fucking scared him with this book you should have vetted before you read it and he ruined it. Like, the only time we've seen her kind of happy this whole time. Mm-hmm. Ruined. And that I just threw that in there because it was, like, kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, very clear that this is honestly the only time in the film up until the very end that we see her do anything for herself. And I mm-hmm. know that that's kind of taboo, but it's true. She doesn't have any human connection except for kind of with this one guy at work that she shuts out. Yeah. And, and he ruins it. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a sexual experience. It was very typical female of it started with her watching romantic comedies. And poor kid ruined it. Yeah. Which is a common. And it's not just about the comic relief of a horror movie of the kid ruining mm-hmm. her masturbating. It's the common theme of in her head, he's ruining everything, everything. for her. Yeah. And that was like her one moment of reprieve from well, his fucking her whole life. Birth? killed his father like that's really sad <laughs> yeah and i made a note like this is sounds kind of dumb since we've been talking about this but the movie grips you from the beginning and just makes you feel like horror movies are supposed to make you feel anxious it doesn't it just makes you feel incredibly sad mm-hmm. the whole, like you just feel depressed and that has to do a lot of course with the story but the acting i just wanted to say mm-hmm The child they found for this Mm -hmm. did an incredible job. The mom did an incredible job. But to put a child, I think in any horror movie we've talked about before, has to be done very delicately. But they made him portray so much in this, dealing with a depressed parent that didn't love him. Did love him, but didn't love him well enough. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, 
and to make us feel like that for him. And then also for him to lose his shit. He did such a good job with Mm -hmm. that because we're getting into that here. The Babadook is now introduced. And now the Babadook is putting glass in soup and scratching faces and sentimental photos. Mm. I couldn't imagine eating, eating glass. No. And then thinking your son did it. Oh, yeah. So this is when the Babadook comes into play and starts pinning things on the child to make... The mother already has a lot of guilt surrounding how she feels about her child Mm -hmm. because she feels she does not love him sufficiently. Therapy. This family needs vast amounts of therapy. Yeah. Especially if you think your son is so whatever's going on that he's putting glass in soup. Therapy. Even before that, like, I probably would not have, like, if I was an attending physician Mm -hmm. or nurse at the birth, knowing what happened to the father, I'd be like, aftercare. Mm -hmm. You need therapy as soon as you leave this hospital and you need it probably for the next at least 10 years. Mm -hmm, Like, even if it's like after you get to the like, you know, two or three year point, even if it's just like once a month, but once your child gets to be you know, five or six and in school, like you need to get him back into therapy and Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Like, because even her sister doesn't want to be around her. Well, her sister's tired of hearing it. She's been hearing it for seven years with no, hey, I'm going to go to therapy. Hey, I'm going to work on it. No, nothing. I, I kind of understand the sister. Like she should be nicer, but. Yeah. Well, you know, like after a certain point, You have to get over things. And I'm not... Like, this is coming from personal experience. Literally, in March, my dad has been gone nine years from cancer. And if I were had... I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I go to therapy every week. And I've gone to therapy intermittently pretty much since I was, like, 13 or 14 years old. And I can tell you... I'm not going to, like, call anybody out, but, like... There are people in my life who have not gone to therapy and who don't deal with it. And it does get like, if you're not going to work on it, then you are just going to be sad forever. And that's not a life that I want to watch you live anymore. Right. Exactly. You need to do something about it and like get over it. Sounds really harsh. You're never going to just, I'm never going to just like get over the death of my father because Mm -hmm. he was, he meant so much to me and we were like besties. But he also wouldn't want me to be, like, sad about it in the same way that I was the day I lost him when I was 18 for the rest of my life. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You have to put in the work to heal. Time heals, but if you don't go to therapy or it it doesn't, it's not sufficient enough healing. You Mm -hmm. need professional help at this point. Right. Like... Had your cousin died and you weren't that close, yeah, time's going to heal you. Mm -hmm. But if it was your husband or a parent or a sibling, that's different. Mm -hmm. And you need to, that, that's trauma. Mm -hmm. That's PTSD. That's, you need to work through that. Mm -hmm. Because people won't stick around forever. Right. And that's exactly what happens. Because, so, right before we go to her her sister's daughter's party, her son's wardrobe falls over and he's under the bed terrified. She rips up the book. So I just wanted to say that she starts being proactive and trying to rip up this book and that comes back later. 
But then we go to Ruby's party, who is Sam, I think his name is, the son. Mm -hmm. Sam's cousin. This seems like my worst nightmare, talking about my own experience, which I won't do this whole time, I swear to God. (laughs) But people looking at me like I'm wounded, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. But again, it's been seven years. Exactly. It's not like this happened a year ago. Yeah. That's the problem. But uh, she went off on her. And Ruby's a fucking brat, by the way. I would just like to say, Mm -hmm. Ruby's mean. Okay, not enough to get pushed out of fucking treehouse mean. Mm, I guess, but telling a kid that, like, nobody likes you... No, that's totally like, fair, but I don't almost kill... That could have killed her. Right. Fucking A. Right. You're right, but you're not even good enough to have a dad. I don't know, man. I probably would have pushed her, too. So, backing up to Ruby's party, the background <laughs> of this yeah. that we didn't talk about, Sam isn't allowed to have a birthday party because his dad died on his birthday. Like, that's terrible. His mom doesn't want to do it. So, right. she's always had a birthday with his cousin they've always had a double birthday. birthdays yeah. yeah and that's what this was supposed to be but ruby wanted to have one all by herself and now it's a problem because she's a child she's like exactly you know and then at a certain point you do get to a point in healing where you're like okay well we could just celebrate it and try to make it like yeah a good she's not day. even there now we're just like ignore the birthday entirely he doesn't have a birthday we don't do that yeah which is so sad. Yeah, poor kid. Yeah. So, of course, he pushes his... Cu- breaks her breaks her face, pretty much. Like, fucks her nose up. And then, of course, the sister is done with her I'd be sister. I'd fucking pissed, man. Yeah. Like, because you are not working on things, and you're not letting having him work on things, now he just pushed my daughter and almost could have killed her out of a treehouse? I'd be done for yeah. a long fucking time. Yeah. You need to work on shit. Yeah. And... Whether or not there is a malevolent presence is almost secondary, like it is pretty much secondary to the story up into a certain point. Mm -hmm. But it's secondary because it has, I think, it doesn't really ever say this, but I'm pretty sure it picks and chooses like who's weak enough to latch on to, you know. And that's just an assumption, but if a mom already is weak enough to not really care that much about her kid because she's too wrapped up in her own depression, what's easier to take down than a mom that already doesn't really care that much? Well, it's her grief. He doesn't really have that grief. Yeah. So it doesn't need to attach to him. She's the one with all the grief. So, yeah. yeah. So after this, he's he's basically telling his mom, like, I love you. And she says, me too. And I know it's got to be difficult, but this kid is so desperate for love and understanding and acceptance. And especially after this Ruby incident, she's really distancing herself from him. And he is so desperate Mm -hmm. for love. And he doesn't understand where the impulse to push his cousin came from. He Mm -hmm. just knows that he doesn't have a dad and she's harping on it. And his mom doesn't seem to love him. And he doesn't have a dad that loves him. And he just wants somebody. He's completely alone. Yeah. Poor fucking And he's like, kid. what, six or seven? He turned seven, I yeah. think, at this day. Poor baby. Yeah. And then the shit ramps up and you hear the duck, duck, duck. And it knocks at the door and the book is back. And that's when this pretty much gets started. And it says, the more you deny, the stronger... I get. I'm growing right under your skin. And the illustrations of her killing the dog, and this is in the book when she reopens it, killing her dog, her son, and herself, and then she burns it. Which is not fake. Like, that's for sure things that happen, even just with postpartum. Parents kill their kids and their families without even meaning to. 
if depression burns deep enough in your brain, like, yeah, it morphs, dude. Well, you don't want to be here anymore. And if it's that terrible of a world, why would you want your family there anymore? Especially if you think that your son is the root of all this evil. (laughs) Yeah. And then she gets a call and it's this like horrible groaning. Mm -hmm. And she, it scares her so bad that she does call the cops and they think she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause she kind of looks it, and then she kind of descends. It's kind of it reminds me a lot of the Conjuring because in the Conjuring, Beth Sheba gets into the mother, and progressively she does more and more shit. And this is kind of a similar spiral. She's becoming even more mean and hostile, and even the dog is barking at her, you know, and like not even going there, you know. But she's pulled her kid out of school because the school... she He brought weapons. Mm-hmm. Like his homemade ones. It's not like he brought a gun or mm-hmm. a knife. You know. The Australian equivalent of CPS comes by because he's been pulled out of school for too long. Mm-hmm. And they're like... Yeah, they find her the being fuck? crazy. There's roaches behind the fridge, but then there's nothing there. She's having and... all these weird hallucinations. Yeah, they're like, okay, we gotta get this kid out of here. Yeah. And that she realizes that she's been like crazy cleaning because there's a hole in the wall and all these roaches came out. And she realizes when they're there that there's no fucking hole in the wall. And she looks crazy. She does look crazy. And at night, she sees the Babadook behind her neighbor through the window. Mm-hmm. And he honestly, the Babadook. He's creepy. Up until this point is creepy as fuck. He's creepy, like yeah. this movie is sufficiently a horror movie mm-hmm. up to this point. Mm-hmm up to this point we'll get there in a minute and has sufficiently creeped me out like again this is the only the second time i've watched this and there's been about five years between viewings of this movie for me so Um, i was like yeah same probably spooked i was like "Mm," uncomfortable because when you watch a movie for the first time you only remember maybe the bits and pieces that you didn't really like Mm -hmm. you know so i didn't remember how much i actually really enjoyed about this movie and how much It was pretty fucking creepy Mm -hmm. for most of this movie. And while she's trying to sleep, her fucking door opens and the motherfucker screams at her, Mm -hmm. the Babadook, and is like twitching across the ceiling, which is the most, the scariest scene. Yeah. And is, and descends on her. And they go downstairs where she tries to stay awake. So she grabs him and she's been having this jaw problem. The whole time. Mm-hmm. You think it starts with, like, a toothache or anxiety. hmm It's not. She just keeps grinding it. And I hate. Well, I mean, it is a tooth problem. I mean, yeah. Because she fucking yanks that fucker out. <laughs> she does. Barehanded. Eventually she does. And it's awful. And then it's also starting to affect her job because she calls in sick the next day and she's not feeding her child because he comes in and he's like i'm hungry Mm -hmm. could you feed me and uh she's like why are you talk talk talking like you know duck 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 Mm -hmm. like being the fucking babadook and he she fucking tells him to eat shit Mm -hmm. so she's lost it but Mm -hmm. she's also kind of possessed we saw him, like, you know. Yeah. So she's still trying to battle and hold on to some part of her. You can tell that. But he's also, the Babadook is, like, gripped in there, too. They, and she, like I said, she's trying to fight it. And so they go out because she's like, oh, we got to get the fuck out of this house. Because she thinks maybe it's in the house and that's the problem, I right. would assume. So they go out. 
and crashed the car on the way back. And she pulls a hit and run, <laughs> comes back and is in the bathtub in all her clothes and is all spaced out. And then puts him in the bathtub. He's like, are you good, fam? <laughs> you good, mom? She's not good. And she just picks him up and, like, puts him in, too. And he is one, like, he's kind of crazy. Like, you know, he's, like, at this point screamed at the top of his lungs in the back of the car. But he knows the Babadook is, like, in the, he believes mm-hmm. that the Babadook is fucking shit up. So he's just looking at his mom, trying not to stir the pot too much because he's also scared mm-hmm. he's a child and his mom is obviously not going to protect him from this because she's she is this. the problem yeah and sam says i don't want you to go away and he knows what's going on and is trying to take control of the situation honestly which is pretty commendable for a seven-year-old because he's got a lot of critical thinking skills and in the beginning you kind of see him as this problematic annoying crazy screaming kid but Mm -hmm. then especially towards the middle and you feel sorry for him but the middle especially to the end of this he is our hero yeah and he's the one that we don't want dead so we're definitely siding with him yeah that night she wakes up to babadook yelling there's someone in the house or something whispering to her and sam was trying to call for help but it was trying to warn her And he got caught. And this is kind of when your anxiety starts to ramp up because she is starting to come after him. Mm -hmm. And they have this sweet little neighbor that really loves them. And you can tell loved the family before Sam was part of it. You can tell loved them as a couple. Yeah, I love the scene where she comes over and she's just like, I love you guys. I know it's hard right now. Because that's very true to people who are depressed as someone who is often just one little nice word, kind word, will get you through. Yeah. Just do that more often. Everyone needs it. Even yeah. that woman you don't even know. Hey, I love that dress. That makes you look beautiful today. I bet that just made her day. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, exactly. And this woman seems to have been looking out for them for a long time because mm-hmm. they seem to love her, too. She, like, in the beginning, she's like, oh, take your trash out mm-hmm. today. And well, she even knew his dad. She talks yeah, about how exactly. much he is like his dad. Yeah, exactly. And so she, he was, Sam was trying to call her for Mm -hmm. help, but of course mom cuts the phone lines and cuts all, cuts him off Mm -hmm. from everyone so that he cannot get out. And he was, he has some of his homemade weapons on him and she yells at him to take his weapon off and cuts the phone line. And then she has been having him sedated at night because when she was still mom, they weren't sleeping. And obviously that takes a bigger toll on depression and mm-hmm. just your well-being when you're not sleeping and the well-being of your child. But now it's to drug him. Mm-hmm. So he can't do anything. But he's been hiding his sedative and he doesn't take it. And she wakes up and kind of snap back to reality holding a knife above him. And again, the dog doesn't want to be around her. And she's coming back into reality and realizing that nobody wants to be around her, that she was fucking holding a knife above him. And she's upset. She's Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck is happening to me? And the dog is sleeping on top of Sam, like, get the fuck away from my kid, basically. Mm -hmm. And then she goes down to the basement to find her dead husband who says, we can be together. You just need to bring me the boy. So Babadook is kind of like a shapeshifter. It kind of reminded me of like Pennywise in a way, you know. Mm -hmm. And then she runs upstairs and sees the Babadook and he follows her and is above her, descends on her. Her pupils dilate as fuck. And now she's downstairs being all twitchy and she kills the dog. 
Poor puppy. And then she pulls her tubes out. Mm -hmm. It was awful. And now she is going after Sam. And he's yelling at her that you're not my mother. And Sam starts fighting it with his weapon. And he fucking stabs his mom. Damn straight. He's like, I'm sorry, mom. And then fucking knocks her out and ties her up. He does so good. Yeah. He's awesome. And when she wakes up, even though she's clearly possessed, he says, I'm not leaving you. He has her tied up in the basement where Mm -hmm. all of his dad's stuff is, too. He's so fucking sweet. He says, the Babadook won't let you love me, but I love you. I always will. You let it in. You have to let it out. So now the mom basically fights it like we've seen several times in, you know, the mom kind of possession stories. And she wins and throws up black shit. Mm-hmm. Her Sam says, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And it drags Sam upstairs. So you think it's over for a minute because you get this kind of peaceful moment, but ain't. And she asks it what it wants, and it torments her with her husband's death. So we have Mom and Sam upstairs, and Mom starts fighting back for Sam. You know, they're fighting it. This is where the film kind of took a turn for me. And it seems endings are important. (laughs) (laughs) Because I loved this film. Mm -hmm. Seems like we're getting to the end of the movie, so I guess we can talk now. Mm Mm-hmm. I loved this film up until about this point. And there's one reason for me. So the mom basically, it comes out in the closet. You get this big reveal. It's coming at them. And she basically yells it into submission. She Mm -hmm. stands up strong against it. And she yells at it and it retreats. And now they have a weird basement pet. That they feed worms. They feed it worms. And... Sam's not allowed to go see it until he's older, basically. You keep your grief in the basement, chained up, and feed it worms. There we go. Right. The end. Okay. My biggest problem with the ending was not necessarily the way that they ended it. It was the stock Jurassic Park dinosaur fucking sounds that they gave the Babadook. I was with it. I was with it. And then they did... I was so angry at mm-hmm. that sound editing choice because it has been in F movies, D movies, every garbage monster movie you can think of. They put that same stock sound in there. And I was I was like, this is an artistic, indie, beautiful film of grief and monster. And you just ruined it for and took me right out of the film just like that with a stock sound choice. Mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't think this is going to help at all, but that wasn't actually from Jurassic Park. Well, I just meant like a monster sound that reminded me the, of that. All the sound effects came from video games, Mortal Kombat, World of Warcraft, and Resident Evil. I hated it. Like <laughs> I understand. Maybe not, like, I didn't, none of the sound effects I really noticed except for that one at the end. I mm-hmm. thought that was, and maybe that's nitpicky, but that specific one at the end I literally, the first time I watched it, I laughed. I was mm-hmm. like, are you fucking kidding me? That's no, the best I don't monster think sound you got? I don't think you're wrong. I just want to let you know where they're from. I totally yeah. agree. Because that's still a stock sound. That's where they got it. And that's fine. We, I mean, I'm not against creators, especially small indie horror films. Mm-hmm. Use your stock sound. We use a stock sound. Yeah. Like, that's fine. But 
you took me right out. I was with your film the whole time and I'm still with it. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I, well, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I did not like that movie because of what they did at the end. Like just that one decision by one person on the team mm -hmm. to put that one little, you know, what was it? Like 15 second soundbite in there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you just made this a D movie for me. Mm -hmm. But then I rewatched it and I really enjoyed, I thought it was a beautiful film. I thought it was very artistic, but not pretentious. I thought the acting was incredible. I thought that everything about it was good. And I will say that that is, I'm not going to let that ruin it for me upon second viewing, but man, I, that really fucking pisses me off. <laughs> Your so, turn. <laughs> so the only trivia I have for this film is, I think most of us know, at least that are on the internet with memes, that this became a meme and symbol for the... LGBT. Yes. Yeah. And do you know why? Not really. I just know that I saw it. It was a complete accident. It was accidentally listed on Netflix under... LGBT movies. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Complete accident, but it's still cool that people were able to pick it up. That's funny. Maybe it says top hat. He was like very well dressed for like a villain. <laughs> like I could get it. You want to fight your grief or your sadness or your guilt or whatever it is you need to fight. Totally get it. That's awesome. I had way more fun talking about this movie. I think I came to way more conclusions talking about it and listening to you. I just don't think this is movie is for me. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't fair. really like it. Interestingly enough, I love art, but I'm not an artsy horror film type person. I just don't... It's not for me. When you say you love art, you like art and it's like... I love paintings. So you like the art that people usually think of when yes, they say art. You're more exactly. of like a museum art but kind of person. artsy films... Don't do it for you. Usually. I actually usually... We tend to differ on the artistic yes, films. I, I usually like, like the artistic films a lot. Mm -hmm. And you usually don't. Yeah. I love the base story to this. I didn't... The acting wasn't bad, but it just wasn't for me. I didn't like the the scene setup. I didn't... Th there's a lot of things I just didn't like. I didn't hate it, mm -hmm. but it was probably a passable three for me. I will never watch it again now that we've done this. Honestly, yeah. I hadn't planned on watching it ever again after I watched it the first time. But. Yeah. And like, I really enjoyed this. I think especially it just kind of depends on... Like, who you're making the film for. And mm -hmm. I think this was probably a movie made for someone like me. Mm -hmm. Because I could literally go on. I saw my experiences in almost every single scene in this film. Mm -hmm. I you bet. Know? And when I was like, yep, 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 yep. Like, we weren't, like, small children. And I've never lost a spouse and things like that. But, like, I bet my mom could see her in the mom you know the whole time and right. I bet like she had experienced some of that disconnect I know this is horrible to say and she would never you know want to say this or even admit to this or maybe I'm completely out of line and she never felt this but I'm sure to some level she was so you know in her own grief that she felt disconnected from her children and well you we, were the kid part of it you may not have been that young but did you feel the disconnect because he felt the disconnect I mean I completely you know I was in uh, my it was my senior year when my dad died, and so when I had the opportunity to go to college, I decided, well, first of all, I had a really complicated senior year after that, and I basically just stopped going to school instead of just going to university like I was supposed to, even though I was like an honor student and in music and did all these things. I stopped going to school, so I kind of screwed myself out of 
my opportunity to go to university. Um, so I went to community college and instead of just living at home and saving money like I should have, I took my opportunity to run away from my family because I couldn't deal with them. So yeah, in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to, I should have stayed with my family in hindsight, but I completely ran away and isolated myself and I took night classes and slept all day. And then basically, I don't know if I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what Tumblr is. I met a lot of people online that I didn't have to see in person and made some internet friends that, you know, but a lot of my in-person friends I didn't really talk to or see and just alienated, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, like I think this movie was made for someone like me and I the Babadook part of it was scary enough mm-hmm. for like someone that just wanted to see a horror film up to a certain point I think mm-hmm. the crawling around on the ceiling and the in corners and behind the neighbor and mm-hmm. her just like grinding her jaw and looking terrifying and crashing the car and all of those things that you get you know you you got them but also just like hereditary you guys heard me ramble on about hereditary back in November same thing it hit the all of those same nerves for me so Mm -hmm. anytime a film introspectively looks into grief in a horror way yeah i'm probably gonna dig it right because it just hits home so yeah this is a five out of five for me i think i put it on the same level as a lot of classic films for me because it just i mm, i'd probably say four out of five i think that i yeah i'll knock it down to a four i think that some of the choices that were made in post-production like the Jurassic Park. Yeah. and post-production really hurt it for me and took me out of the film and that really hurt me personally because I was so on board with it and I thought it was a beautiful film so I, I'd probably say four out of five which is still like a b plus a minus area but mm-hmm. yeah I thought it was a really good film I was happy with it and I will probably definitely watch it again Thank you for hanging out with us. You can always find us on our Facebook and Instagram at The Exorcisters Podcast. On Twitter, we are at The Exorcisters. And if you want to hang out with our little family on Patreon for exclusive content and extra entry into giveaways and start a little community over there, <laughs> you can hit up patreon.com slash The Exorcisters Podcast. And next time, the rules are simple. Pick a family and make them play. Till then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.